Welcome. I'm Danny Brown. You're listening to my podcast, The Deal. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we have a very special guest. I am fired up to speak with her. She's an incredibly talented tastemaker and influencer in the design world. She's an incredible interior designer that's done projects from LA to Aspen to Mexico and all over the place. Very cutting edge, very tasteful. Someone who's just smart and on her game. Without further ado, Allison Pilevsky. Allison Pilevsky, how are you? I'm doing really well. Happy to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. We're in your beautiful home rather than my office. So this is pretty spectacular. We can get more into this home and how you found it. But um, I wanted to say a little bit about you. You're a designer. You're a tastemaker. You're an influencer. And when I mean influencer tastemaker, I don't mean you're just on Instagram pretending to be somebody. You actually have a legit thing to say and an unbelievable style and your design style is is impeccable and it's um you know it's pretty influential so i'd love for you to like kind of tell us how you got into design how it all started and uh you know what led you to doing what you're doing now and then we can get more into your background where you grew up and, and such sure um so i basically went to work for icm uh which is international creative management yeah was my first job out like of college. Mailroom, mail agent trainee, mailroom. Agent trainee. Um, I was 21 years old. Ooh, fun I, job. I have, yeah, it was. It was like interesting. delivering scripts, making copies. Seven dollars an hour back then. Oh, you were getting paid. Yeah, I think I, mean, I was five dollars an hour yeah. when I was at uh, APA. Oh, you were APA. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you see. But I never had a job before, so I basically interned in college for two producers while I was interning for them. They broke their partnership, and it was pretty ugly. They both offered me a job, an entry level position. And okay. I said, you know, I don't, I don't really think I want to be in producing. And they're like, what do you want to do? They were doing do? film or TV? Or? They produce films. Got it. And okay. um, I said, I don't know what I want to do. And they're like, well, if you don't know what you want to do, go work for an agency. Perfect. It's basically like the Wharton School of Business yeah, for business the entertainment. School yes, for entertainment. For, for entertainment. So, yeah. And for so those of you that don't know, the, the, the mail rooms at ICM, William Morris, now William Morris Endeavor CA, that is a training ground for anyone that's in entertainment. Some of the biggest names in Hollywood came through there. It's hardcore. It's ultra competitive. Kids come out of the Ivy League schools banging the doors to get in, and very few do get into the agency training program. And then if you do get in, you get abuse for a couple of years. And if you survive the abuse, just maybe you'll get put on a desk as an assistant to survive. A glorified a, secretary. A glorified that's right. secretary. Right. And get more abuse yes. and more stuff thrown at you. And if for somehow you can wiggle your way and survive that, you may become a junior agent someday that's and right. then make, I don't know, what does a junior agent make? 30 grand, 40 grand, maybe you can pay your rent. Today's world is probably like 60, so but today's you know. <laughs> 60, but back then it was probably it was 30 grand and you were thrilled. You got a beeper or a cell phone. Yes. <laughs> anyway, yes. that's the agent trainee world. Yes. So so I did that and I did that for a couple years and it I have to say it it taught me a lot about business and survival, the okay. fittest, and and really excellent business skills for what became the foundation of my eventual business when I went on my own in design. But I, um, I basically said, God, if I'm going to go do anything, I'm going to go do something I really want to do. So I got a job working for someone, a, a big designer, two big designers, and I went to school at night at UCLA to really learn how you to draw. You went back draw. to school? I went back to school. I went to UCLA for... Interior, I've got, design, yeah, interior program. design program, but I really awesome. learned 
and you need to learn how to draw. I mean, you have to. It's it's and, and you were you a natural drawer prior? Were you always no, a good but artist? No, it's mathematical. That... So okay. and I'm mathematics has actually always been a strong point. So so I was doing that, but I was learning the field because I was working for these two designers. While you're going to school, yes. you're in and it, seeing just what comes exposed on. to it all. So that's kind of how I landed in the design world. It was something I was really passionate about, and I yeah. thought, you know, if you're going to do it, you've got to actually go and see what it's like to do it day to day because it's completely sure. different from what you imagine in your yeah. mind. So interesting enough, my mother went through the UCLA interior design program oh, and is now retired, but she was the president of the IIDA, International Interior Design Association, for many years. So I grew up in a home with a designer and spent many summers and winter breaks schlepping carpets and furniture. And those were my jobs. Paint swatches, you know, he's like, and paint swatches on every wall. So I have grown up in it and have a total affinity and passion for interior design. And that's a whole other story. We'll get into it later. But uh, it's just interesting hearing that. So you went to school, you started working in the field. Mm -hmm. And that was how many years ago? Uh, that was about 2001. So, so that's where it started, yes. 2001. So it's 18 years ago. Okay. And where did you grow up? I grew up in northern New Jersey in a uh, beautiful, so East Coast. yes, suburban town, 30 minutes out of Manhattan. And I really was ready to get out of the suburbs and go to the city. Got it. Got it. So and I ended up at USC. Ended up at SC. So you yes. grew up back east and came out west for college. Yes. And then got an never entertainment left. and never left. And now I've been here longer than there. Wow. So yeah. LA's home. Did you yes. spend time in the city like growing up in high school? Is that like people in went high school, you, go you party went, in the city could, kind yes, of thing and check out oh, the museums yes. and all that stuff? Yes, shows, museums, eventually nightclubs. Yeah, yeah. And I loved it. But Did you miss I, that as you were in LA? Because it's so it. different. I still miss it. You do miss it, yeah. But the LA, I, the New York energy, there's nothing like that kind of vibe. The, the nightlife, the restaurants, the shop, the shows. It's very I'm, different yeah, being very different here. young and single in LA versus young and single in New York. For me, when I was leaving SC, because it's really such a, a bonded school where the alumni like really support right. each other, everyone I knew and all my opportunities were here. So there was no way I stayed going here. Back, I had stayed it, during college option. for the summer. So there was no way that I was going back. But uh, do I miss seasons? Do I miss that energy? Absolutely. Yeah, how and could you not? The first part of my career when I had a partner and we went on our own, we worked half the time in Manhattan. So Got we were, it. for a couple of years, we were really back and forth. Yeah, because I want to ask about that. It seems that you have a very unique situation where you're based in L.A. Most of your clients and network are probably L.A., but you've also done a lot of projects in New York and Mexico and Aspen, yep. other places. So are those people based on people you knew from back east? Are they people that live it's here that, that say, hey, I have a project I want to do in Mexico? How, how does that come about? And, you know, maybe walk me through. I know you did a Mexico Punta Mita project recently. Yes. Can you walk us yes, through that absolutely. and how so, that went down? Um my fir our, our first New York project when I had my former partner became out of us saying, hey, you're working for this designer, I'm working for this designer, but we've got two clients that are basically ours. And if we leave with two clients, can we make this work? And we did. Yeah. And one happened to be in New York. And then, you know, I had a partner for 10 years, then I went on my own. And I would say that the projects that have come out of, um, in Aspen, in Miami, in New York, in Mexico, are projects that were originally rooted in LA. In LA and the client happens to have a second, third home Understood. or so it's, a it's a business. The Mexico project was for um, a new client, but a client that I had sort of known on the periphery just through, you know, mutual friends he said, Hey, will you come down to Punta Mita and take yeah. a look at this house? 
needs to be updated and I would love your thoughts. And then right. we made a deal and I spent between June and December, probably two weeks of every month in Punta Mito. Oh, so that's it. I was like, how does that work? You have a full life here. You have a family, you have kids, you have clients. So how, you're, how does it work? You're going balance? there. Are you asking me about balance? Not quite. I'm asking <laughs> if you're going to do a project in Punta Mita, you're, you're, you're moving in somewhere in Punta Mita for no, a couple weeks? No, he owned weeks? a series of properties. He was a, he was a developer down there. So he had a bunch of properties. So we would stay. Stay and at it, a property. Yes, yeah, stay work in a on... property. And then the one that was under construction was big. It was probably 13,000, 14,000 square feet. It. So it was so one of the estate homes? Was this yeah. in the estate yeah, section? Yeah, Punta Mita Estates, yeah. Is it Rancho Estates? Is that what they no, call it? Or it's Punta not Rancho. Mita it's uh, Punta, Punta Mita Estates. Rancho is down by the, the that beach area. Yeah. This is closer. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. I love Punta Mita. Yeah. It's within those gates. Where it the is four within the main gates. And okay. the, yeah, and, and the St. Regis. It's, it's, it's Near on Sophie. the bluff. Uh, Sufi. Sufi. And that's one of his restaurants. Oh, they okay, built yeah. it, developed it. Absolutely. Very I know close. there's those incredible lots right there on that yes, beach. Yes. And and he has one more that's there that's not built that we may end up doing. But yes. So you, you're you there for how long? Once Five I, days at a time. Okay. So you're not and moving then, there for six no, months. No, no, but no, no, you're no. back and forth. You yes. stay for a week. You come back. Yeah. And how does it work in terms of your vendors? and your materials are you local uh getting contractors there or are you bringing crews from la or is it combination it depends, or it depends what you're doing so their craftsmanship is pretty impeccable better than we have here a really lot of times. stonework woodwork really amazing tradesmen so that wow, kind of work we did there and then you'd have to we looked at the pure economics of what i could build here in the factories that we use and what was the cost of it yeah um and then you know you're paying an import tax excuse 17 percent. so we use an exporter but we built the majority of the case goods here or ordered them sent them to an exporter in san diego and then they ship them over and Get them there, and we pay. It made sense financially to do it that way. Yeah. So it was kind of a combination of Got things. It. A lot of moving parts. Lots of moving parts. And then in terms of licensing and permits, and is it a completely different situation, or is it for the most part as a design, it's the same thing? There's a rule of codes. There's a rule of permits. No, and... there's not a code like the way that it is. <laughs> no, no, no. You just uh, add on a bathroom when you want to add on a bathroom. I mean, you want to go a, to the second story? There's boom. A, there's a contractor, and there are more like I would say there's more like home. Uh, Similar to like a homeowner HOA, architectural yes. committee. Those are more of what you have to pass through. Yeah. But I wouldn't say there's like your, you know, you're building a house in the Palisades and your inspector comes once yeah. a week and tells you to move the outlet over a foot because right. you're not in the right. No, right. that Rip part of it is totally different. Rip out the wall because the outlet yeah. is two, two inches off. Yes, exactly. So it's, not, it's not the Nazi not inspector. The no. <laughs> Very interesting. So let me rewind back. You mentioned you grew on the East Coast. What made you go to USC of all places to come out West? Did you want to be in LA? Yeah. So uh, I was tired of living in the suburbs. It was absolutely beautiful. Great place to grow up. Probably pretty similar here to like growing up in the valley yeah, of LA. Sure. Um, but and colder. <laughs> a lot colder. And I... I actually was supposed to go to UCLA and my mom got sick and I kind of chickened out. So I actually ended up Villanova my freshman year. Okay. Was really unhappy again because I was in a parallel situation where That's I was- That's in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's right. outside. It's on the main line. Yeah. Um, and ended up uh, just the first couple of months so unhappy. Like I've just transferred myself into the exact same situation that I didn't like. So, so how do I get out of here? So I reapplied USC, UCLA. Was it just because it was the farthest thing from East Coast yeah, or I Southern California? Yeah, I kind of chickened out because I didn't want to be away from my mom who was sick and then she was okay. And so I 
threw out all my applications again and then SC actually offered me some money to go there and I well, was going to lose pretty compelling. Yeah, and I was going to lose credits because of the quarter system at UCLA. So I went to USC which worked out really well Got it. for me. But that's how I ended so up there. So it's really just a huge change. Let's get out of the suburbs. The Let's get to I the west coast. I wanted to be in a big university with a lot of different cultural opportunities and I crave and I still crave urban. Yeah. Culture. I live in the Palisades. I go downtown like six times a week yeah. because wow. that is where it's happening right now. <laughs> you know, it's it's art, it's design, right. it's a little bit of grit. For I like sure. the luxury, a lot of grit. I don't it's think there. I can do my job well without the grit. Well, that's certainly the closest thing to like a New York yeah, uh, type of lifestyle where you have every walk of life on the same sidewalk from a homeless person to a billionaire and everything in between all mixed in. And LA's never had that until now. Yeah, or we're it's having ha- a renaissance. We're having sure. a renaissance. It's pretty, as a real estate guy, I'm watching it over the last 15 years. Just spectacular. I was there early looking at early lofts 20 years ago. In the arts ago. district? Well, even be, the arts district wasn't even blossoming yet. Right. This was even before Staples Center, uh, mm-hmm. before the first lofts that went across the street from the Staples Center. I was out there looking at stuff because I was just, this was in 2001, 2002 when I first started in real estate. And I, back then it was already, we thought, a renaissance. You know, mm-hmm. people are starting to develop and uh, starting to remodel, restore old buildings. And then it just now it's just. Yeah, it's booming. Momentum you can't even is booming. Get a Velocity. Building, I mean, it's, yes, now you can't afford yeah, to buy there. Yeah. It's institutional money. It's the best restaurants in the world. And it's incredible. It's Art nice. galleries everywhere. So, interesting enough, here we are sitting at your home, Palisades Riviera, one of my favorite pockets of LA. In fact, uh, Jessica and I were in escrow in a house two blocks away on Amalfi 10 years ago uh, before she panicked the first night we got an escrow and canceled. Thought it was too far. To, do you from, regret that? Uh, do I regret it? No, <laughs> I have no regrets. Just another life experience. But as we're sitting here on Amalfi and you're saying you're going downtown every day, I'm realizing, wow, I almost live two blocks away. Uh, it's one of the most incredible neighborhoods. You having impeccable design taste, aesthetic. What made you buy here in the Palisades? And then mm-hmm. what made you buy this particular parcel? It's a pretty unique, sensational piece of property. It's the last house with views. So I... My husband and I were living in Venice. We very lived, different. Very different. We lived right on the circle next to Hama Sushi. Um, yeah, I, mean, I could literally smell temper every night in my shower. The Windward Circle. The, yeah, yeah, the Windward Circle. Um, and we were ready to start looking. And I went to a party at a well-known landscape designer's house up the street. It was a garden party. Okay. Pretty spectacular backyard. So it was the other like side of Amalfi. So North Amalfi. It was this lower. It was still south of Sunset, but on the left side of, or I guess, the west side. Okay. So when you went to the end of the parcel, you couldn't see anything except just mountains greenery, and greenery mountains. and you had no idea where you were you yeah, could have been anywhere never it's, you could have been in like tuscany or right and people i thought, say that when they don't know about you've this never part seen of it, the world yeah. you see like this isn't la what right. is it where am where i, am I? Yeah. yeah and i said i've got to live on the street so you fell in love fell in it was love. just like mind-blowing and fell in love fell in love with the street hired a realtor and my husband and i were like we only want to look on this street and so we looked knew. and looked and looked for a couple years and then the story of like how we got the house is, yeah, you know, this was uh, an older. Yes, it was an older um, Richard Landry house. That's right. It was oh, oh eight, oh seven, oh eight, oh seven, oh seven. Okay. Still, the market was still pretty good. Um, and there was a bidding war for the piece of 
land that was here. Was it bidding um, war because I guess both the land the and it was, was and it was a Richard Landry and the market yeah, was still market strong. Was high, All those strong. elements, everyone wants. So here it is. You've been waiting. Yep. And now everyone wants it. Yep. So you guys went after it. So we went after it, and then the price it was it was Thanksgiving, and we were in Mexico. Oh, we, perfect. Uh, we, right, right. You're in right? Mexico with no service, and there's the house yep. you've been waiting for for three years. And uh, we just got the price got crazy, and we of were like, it no, did. you know what? No, we're out. So you. So we fell out. We fell out. You eject. We eject. We're like, well, that's just stupid. You know, it's it. not, it doesn't make financial sense. It was a bloodbath so and it was getting bit yep. up and you were like, this and it is- wasn't at the time we were like, well, would we ever really get the money back? I mean, at the time yeah. it was a different world. And so we get over it. We move on house sells. It's an escrow. Now it's Christmas Month and later. we have a house in Cabo. So we were back in Mexico and we get a call and we're like 400 just, uh, felt, just came back on the market. We're like, what do you mean? The, the owner Fell has another house in Shadow Heights. They're backward, like it's they can't afford to keep both. They need to sell the house. The other two people that were behind you are now in other deals. Okay, so you were happy with it. So we were backup offers. There was was three or four offers. So it falls out of escrow. The backup offers found another house or are interested in something else. Down the line, you're the next one up. And you are totally forgot about it at this point. So we ended up getting it for under what they were asking. So you got a huge discount. Based because on it falling they out of needed escrow. to do it by the end of the year, and we made the deal, and that was it. And then wow, and then we rented it out, and we got bids to kind of do what we wanted to do to it. So you didn't move in right away. You knew you were doing a project. No. You rented it out to try to figure yep. out what you wanted to do. Yep. So the plan was to remodel the That's Richard right. Landry house. Was it? It's not. It wasn't historic in any way, no, but it's not Richard at all. Han- Landry. No, it so was there's always not that pedigree. And if you saw the lot. The way, probably because of add-ons, but the way the house was oriented compared to like how it should be with the views. It wasn't maximizing the topography. It just didn't maximize it. And when we got the numbers, we decided, we were on a plane to Europe and my husband walks over to me and goes, I think we should tear it down. That happens so much. (laughs) Unbelievable. It happened so much. It happened to us. We were going to remodel our 30s Spanish. Well, we remodeled it when we first moved in, but we were saving a second a second level of, of adding on for years later. So we, we started looking into that and then it's like, get the bids and the bids are almost as much as building. And then we found a brand new house two blocks away. And that's how we ended up on Forrester. Anyway, it, I can't tell you how many times clients have this conversation. Should I build? Should I buy? Should I remodel? They go into it thinking I'm going to remodel and they realize it's, it's probably more cost effective. It makes more sense to just build, create what you want rather than trying to work with something like you said, it doesn't yeah. have the right vantage points to write topography and if you spend all that time and energy trying to fix it and it's still not exactly what you want or where it should you're be you're gonna so, end up moving yeah so and this is also a very complex lot you know you it's not a perfect rectangle right. it's views it's there's a lot of things with the light and the angles that you had to capture so now you have a spectacular house how would you define the style obviously it's sort of architectural but it's warm and sophisticated well thank you but um so there was a house that i really loved it's a house that was uh, designed for Dolores Del Rio okay. um, in the Santa Monica Canyon. And it's it's deco. Um, and I loved it. And I knew we could not build an art deco house because I'm not a big fan of people reproducing a style in today's world and trying to recreate it because you just can't can usually do it, right. it very well. You can never get so it right. So we were going to build a modern house with an homage to deco. So you'll see tiny details. I mean, yeah, the black and white. For sure. There's ziggurats. There's certain design elements. And the um, facade from the street, from the you street, get those elements. A bit, yeah. It's subtle. It's, it's not in your face. Yes. It's subtle. It's a very like 
a twist. I would say it's, it's sort twist. of a twist it's... on it and it's sort of a modern right. twist on it. But yet there's some timeless elements. That's how I well, perceive it. Well, I think that's pretty, pretty accurate. And that's what we were trying to do. And so hopefully we achieved it. But um, so the style of the house is inspired by deco, but it's definitely a contemporary house. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted a house that felt warm and not like a white modern box. Right. I mean, I your family, you're living grow, here. Yes. My kids were going to grow up here. And, you know, it was me and a team of probably 12 between the developer and the, or the contractor and the architect and my husband, modernist men. So it was a very interesting process to and build this house. And was Sasha very involved with the design or did he leave it to you? Because that's uh, your expertise, as we say, or yeah. is it, was it a collaboration? He was involved in the, for sure, wanted to be involved in the architecture part of it. Yeah. And... I kind of gave him certain rooms. He got Man the cave? master bedroom. <laughs> he got his office. He got his garages. And I got the rest of it. Well, that's nice of you, Allison. Yes. That's <laughs> why his office doesn't look so finished. But, <laughs> but Did he but, do the Lego room? No, I did the Lego okay, room. Good. That's that my was, that room. was a result of my um, my youngest son starting to eat all the pieces in the other oh, playroom. And so best. we thought my we should My kids would move. go nuts yeah. in the Lego room. That place, that rocks. You just want to hang out there. Got it. So th the way I look at it, it's very hard to pull off a modern or architectural home and yet have it livable, warm, sophisticated. We see a lot of slick white boxes that are emotional and poignant with views and glass, but rarely do you capture what you have, which is it's still very warm, livable, and you can see that family lives here and it's functional, yet it, there's something about it that is edgy and avant-garde and um, you nailed it. Now, would you say this defines your style? And I, from an outsider looking in, your style is very unique. And a lot of the things I'm saying, uh, I would say if someone had asked me and didn't know you, what's your style? I'd say, well, that's really hard to define. She has a very, modern sensibility yet it seems very timeless and classic yet there's always a little fun twist or edge or uniqueness to it how would you sort of define your style or is it that it's just not definable no i think it's definable i think it's an overused term in the design world but people would say it's eclectic modern streamlined modern warm modern um I think that my job as a designer is to be an editor and a curator. Sure. So a, a client comes to me and some of them come with nothing. They just, they're building a brand new house. They have a, and they have no nothing, idea. They have no art. Some of them come with a lot. There's st stuff they've traveled from, things that mean something to them. And my job is to kind of take their point of view and their things and what they're inspired by and pull out the really good ideas and kill all the bad ideas and bring together my vision and their vision. So truly curating it. And, yeah, and at the end of the day, it shouldn't feel like I've put my stamp of design on a particular house. I don't believe That's in that as a designer. So it's not about you and your do. stamp and your ego no, and your way. It's, it's about, about doing what's well, for, right yes. for the property, for the client. I think that the bones of a house, if it's a ground up, it's a different thing because it's going to be somewhat contemporary for the most part. Um, but if a client comes to you and they bought a house and it's like a 1929 Spanish right. original Which I or love 19, the early old houses. 20s, the bones of the house are going to dictate somewhat what you're going to do. Even if it's more modern, um, you're going to use some of those old inspiration images to mix what's current, what's modern, what they like right. and bring it all together. So, so my job really, I think of it as, um, being an ed editor and a curator and, and helping that client 
come up with something that works for them and is livable. Because mm-hmm. so many people design houses, particularly developers, where they design these white modern boxes the and they house. design a house for what they believe a wealthy person would like would to live like, in. Yeah. And the truth is... But now it's nuts. I mean, now it's, you know, the, it's the spa, it's the wellness mm-hmm. center, it's, you know, the hot plunge, the cold plunge. I mean, it's unreal what we're seeing in the basements of these incredible houses with helicopter pads, even though there's no license to use helicopters in L.A. Uh, there's, some, there's some sensational conceptual properties, but also, like, as you're saying, not necessarily so practical, so functional, and, you know, unless you just want a statement house that you don't really need to live in very well or very hard. I mean, I don't know if those houses make so much sense for most people. Well, I think that it's the cool people, as they yeah, are to I was walk gonna through. say, I think people buy them as showpieces yeah. and they understand that they're not gonna use 30 or 40% of the house and they're gonna live in, most of us live in four or five rooms. Right, they're probably not using 90% of right. these houses. <laughs> right, and they may not even be there so often, but I have no problem with those houses. I've certainly worked on no, those fun. houses, but I do think that you know, we live in a place where there's a lot of land. We don't live in Manhattan and mm-hmm. access. I mean, more is more in this town, right? <laughs> more is more. There you go. Put it on a shirt. More is more. Put it on it's a hat. It's true. I mean, we, we take advantage of the fact that we have land and we have big rooms and, yeah. and sometimes that works. And sometimes it's very, very vapid and empty feeling. Yeah. So do you like taking on old restoration projects when it's like, okay, this house, it's charming, it's gorgeous, but it needs everything. And you're starting over, but you got to stay within the confines of the house. Is that something you like doing? Is it more challenging to do that versus starting with, hey, we're just building a house on a blueprint and picking every finish and every... Yeah, I would say that I like to break the rules um, a lot. So... You are not going to hire me if you want to stay true to a true restoration. I'm not your person. You want to hire a historical. Yeah, I guess I didn't mean that. And and you're you're not going to do a historical preservation. You're going to make it fun and interesting. We're going to take the elements that worked in its time and that are beautiful, and we're going to enhance those, and then we're going to kind of bring in everything that's maybe a little more edgy, fun, and contemporary. Yeah, and you enjoy that type yes, of project. I think that that's a great project. I mean, the, the, the house is, I just finished working on one up in uh, Bel Air Estates, and it's it's an old Tudor, but it felt dark, and it needed to come into today's world so that right. a young family person- This is on person, your Instagram. I just yeah, saw this yes. yesterday. Yeah, it looks but cool. But yeah, that house is going to sell probably to a young family. Yeah. Um, or, or kid, you know, teenager, a family with teenagers. And it just felt like something that someone in today's world wouldn't live in. Yeah. So how do you take an old tutor and stay true to the architectural bones? Well, I mean, there's lots of tricks to the trade and you learn them over time, but- I think that that's what I I enjoy that because it's a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. A new house is lovely to work on, but you're right. I mean, it's it's a grid, and you can kind of do anything you want. You can move the walls, you can put them. Yeah. So they're more challenging when you have to work with what's already sure. there. I but yeah, see I that. like it. I mean, that's a very few things are new these days. I'd love to work on my like hotel projects. I haven't done that. But I, haven't done, I was going to say, yeah. what kind of, have you done any commercial office, yes, hotel, yes. retail? I, I, um, I have. And most of those come from clients that have had us do residences sure. and then have us come in and work on commercial. It's not really what I love, but I would love to do 
a, a hotel project or a God, can't small imagine. Boutique. That would yeah. be amazing having your design. It was kind design. of what we did in Punta Mita because a lot of those rooms were mirrors of each other, um, even if there was only two. And then we did a set of two and a set of two. But it, I would imagine that that would be what it's like. So that that's my last that. sort of... That's what Alison I really want to do. branded hotels coming soon. Uh, I don't know if I want my name on there, but I want to be the designer. Yes. There you go. We'll take the <laughs> yes. name off. Delete yes. that. Omit that. Uh, so tell me about designers that you have been inspired by or designers that you, whether it's past, whether it's people that are working contemporaries of you today, are there designers? And, you know, it doesn't even have to be someone who's an interior designer. It could be an artist. What inspires you creatively? What people you look at and say, you know, I love what they're doing. It's inspiring. It's influential mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Um, uh, Andre Putnam, um, okay. interior designer, amazing work. I'll always look at that work when I'm looking for inspirations. Um, contemporary artists. Uh, I'm a huge James Terrell fan. He works okay. with light and space. He's probably my favorite all-time artist. I think he's inspiring because he makes you see something or you think you're seeing, but it's yeah. not necessarily what you're seeing. You kind of have to step back from it. Um, and for me, those the those kind of things are more inspiring than just looking at another interior designer's work. Of course, I respect them, and there's ones that I really love. I mean, I think that Kelly Wurzler, when I was coming up, was yeah, a sure. pretty incredible influencer um, in terms of just she had a style, and then she changed it, and she got into the Memphis period. So I completely respect what she's yeah. done as an interior designer and just kind of breaking into the fashion world. I think she's she's a pretty great female role model um, in this in my industry. Uh, but I don't I, I draw inspiration from images, but I draw inspiration a lot of times from from the art side of things. Yeah, and that makes sense. What What do I love about this? Like, what makes me what, is is this painting is it about color and do i take some of my design work from fashion yes um, so it all sort of bleeds and melts in and influences lines. and and i would think so i mean yeah. i look at your home you have so much beautiful art and collection and it's everything's curated the art the furniture the, the accessory everything and it all seems to meld together and what you do and you do help clients with their art as well is that part of what you do when you're yes. designing a house yes I think well, this is blurred lines. Um, I think we all, I think we all kind of designers, artists. I really, I really have a lot of relationships with artists, and I really get them. I really enjoy understanding their process. Yeah. So, as a result of that, I sometimes have a client who doesn't have an art collection, and they have a lot of white walls and a lot of space to fill. A lot of space and nothing on the walls. And they know that I personally collect. I have relationships with artists. I'm involved. You're going to festivals. You're dialed in. I go to a a lot of the art fairs. I I go because I'm sometimes looking for things, but I am not an art advisor and I'm not um, an art consultant by definition. I don't like the square edges that come with that sure. and it's not my background, but sure. Do I help clients and suggest pieces and suggest studio, take them on studio visits? Absolutely. I mean, I had a meeting this morning at eight where it's all white walls and the husband said to me, <laughs> we need art. I'm like, okay, but it takes a minute. You yeah. don't go to the store and buy, you know, an entire house worth of, Photo- photography and like you got to have some art you have to have some sculpture you have to have some yeah. oils you, it's a mix a diverse it's portfolio about, yeah. of a, of a you collection you can't just you know 
Photoshop in all the art. Yeah. But so so yes, I definitely am involved in that, and I've been involved with um, uh, helping to bring artists to certain. I help the World Surf League do bring in some artists for really? their first, um, the first. I guess it's contest, surf how, contest. How does that work? Kelly. They had a beach competition no, and they uh, wanted Kelly art. Slater has uh, Kelly, the, the wave yeah. up in Lemoore. Yeah, yeah, the wave pool. Like, the ranch, trying to get right. invited. Kelly, please invite me. I'm waiting for the invitation. I don't know if I got my spam filter <laughs> yeah. or what. Kelly, hit me up. So they did their first competition in May and we worked with them because they really did want to have music and art. They we wanted did, a whole lifestyle. Yeah. We had four artists come in and, and do live artist installations. So we were hired by them to to find the artists and then yeah. you know, oversee God, that's them. Like so the whole marketing branding events. Yes. A lot yes. of blurred lines there. A lot of blurred lines. So is I'm thinking back to Kelly Worsler and talking about that. You have your own line. I do. I have you, my own line of, of furniture, and um, it's something that I would like to eventually get more into again. But it's it's hard because you're kind of running two. They're two. They're two different businesses. Okay. When you're working with a client who it's so specific to the house and it's very site specific, and the furniture is pieces that we've developed along the way and people can just buy uh which is great but it uh, what i should do is have a person that comes in and just really runs that because it's hard to run both they're trying to do both and what sort of stuff do you is it couches is it tables it's everything it's it's um small tables it's game tables this game table which i love yeah i need to i need to get that (laughs) yeah that's one of our popular sellers i bet Um, i bet i definitely need it it's uh it's it's some lighting but what I, I'd like to go back into smalls, like accessories, because I think yeah. it's hard to ship furniture. It's very custom. It's very personal. And is it mostly for clients that you're designing their homes, or is it other no, interior designers coming to you saying, hey, oh, we'd see. like to use your stuff for our clients, or is it both? Uh, like- oh, it's a lot of individuals, but certainly we've had designers like pieces for projects they're doing and purchase from us. Yeah. But it's less focused on to the trade. It was more focused on um, someone just seeing it, like an individual. It's a word, it's a word of mouth thing. Yes. So when you're designing a client's house, it's just if something fits, you yeah. introduce well, them how, to you it. the furniture? How, yeah. how would yeah, someone yeah. buy And it? how you well, would we, incorporate your furniture versus other people's pieces, or it's just whatever is well, the best fit for that specific room or specific client well we still even though we don't put it in our line we design and make about 60 percent of the things so the sofa we're sitting on was made for the space got it we made these ottomans um, so you're, we, we you're ma- creating stuff for clients yeah, even if we, it's not your line you it's absolutely. you who created it yeah. yeah we don't put it in our line then because sometimes the client will feel like well that table was made for me yeah. and unless they're okay with it they don't necessarily want to see it made on it everyone else's times. right yes they don't so want a restoration hardware, yeah, no. uh, the vibe, the table. <laughs> no, they don't want that. So, but we do. We make we make a majority just because scale and you know if you buy it off the floor, the dimensions aren't always perfect, and we really try to get it right and make it custom for each client. Yeah. So you're sitting on a particularly deep sofa because my it's husband wanted deep, it very very, uh, very deep, but they're not all this dimension. And if we were making it for you and you wanted it for a specific living room, we would shorten it. Shorten it up. Yeah, and and so <laughs> scale is everything. And if yeah. it's not scaled right, you immediately feel it. So. I am someone who, like I said, loves design. I'm in real estate. It's a big thing, part of my life. One of my favorite things to do, whether I'm in town or in another city, I love looking at hotels and hotel lobbies to see 
how it's designed, to see what's whether I like it or not. But there's always interesting cutting edge uh, design happening. Do you have some hotels or hotel lobbies that you say, oh man, I just love it. I love this room. What If there's one or two, whether it's local, whether it's international, wherever, um, I'd love to know what yeah, so a couple rooms that you love. And it doesn't have to be a hotel. It could be a restaurant. It could be a, an office space, a room where you're like, wow, this speaks to this is really interesting. It's I really like to design. I think that the Amon does a really good job at being site specific again. Oh yeah. So they design for the site. So if you're at the Amon Giri or yeah, you're it's in the hillside, it's, it's, it's very site specific. And I think there is something to that. So some of the Amons, the Turks and Caicos ones, the one in Utah. I mean, that they're one in very, Utah is yeah, just it's insane. unbelievable. And it's, yeah. And it's so specific to that, the pool around the mountains. It's, it's like so been carved think, into the landscape and the geography that's, I and think topography. It, is that when the architecture is uh, blended like. and melded into, they become, they really become one. And I think that there's, um, it's older now, but I think Jonathan Adler did it pretty well in Palm Springs with the Parker, where okay. he kind of yeah. got the he took some of the stuff that was happening in the seventies stuff, the mid century yeah, stuff, roll, the rock and roll, and he and he blended it really well. And then of course I like all the old world stuff. So you know, I, I mean the, the Polo hotels. Lounge, the Bel Air oh, Hotel, favorites um, are. Uh, you know, th- they're on my list. I'm, yeah, I, I mean, frequent them the like once or twice a week. I mean, I can't get enough of that. We went there after our wedding. That's where we yeah. spent the first couple nights being a married couple at the Bel Air. I mean, just love it. It's yeah. changed. What do you think about the new design yeah, versus yeah. the old classic design? Well, I'm, I, I think that I probably am partial to the old design because mm-hmm. it was done by a bigger hotel group. But what is it? What I love in the Bel Air Hotel, the Norman Seifs, the photographs. Yeah. I worked with Norman a little bit when um, I did oh, a show God, for him at amazing. my concept store slash gallery yeah. when we had it. He's a great guy. The story behind those is great. And I think that those make it. Because you're in there, you're hearing the piano, you're looking up at Tina Turner, yeah, you're, you're looking up at like the, the Blues Brothers, and you're like, oh, okay, I know where I am. You yes. know, it, it gives you a sense of That's time. That's true. That's and, true. And um, I think that I. I it's, I think your environment influences your mood. So I think photographs do that so yes, much. They, they just do. bring you into a space and a time and capture it. And that, like, now that you've said that, and I think about that room for sure, and that a lot of, just yeah. grounds it. And it's like, okay, yeah, this is a historical spot. Right. I know where I am. Right. And yeah. I think I think um, another one is uh, the Polo the Polo Bar in New York. Yeah. Um, great. You know, great spot. You don't really realize it but you're underground there are no windows on that subterranean level true but the designer um used mirrors and the space is executed in a way that you never even notice it yeah you don't think you're not claustrophobic you're like in this elegant and it's a throwback it's elegant but it's you're not afraid to sit down yeah think that that is an art like if you can actually make someone feel comfortable and not afraid to like should i not put yeah. my drink here should i it can't I be don't too precious it's gotta be yes. yeah it's gotta be livable and yes. functional and and all that sort of yes. stuff for sure well that's a, that's a really good point so let's uh, turn to some a little more personal stuff you're a mother you're married you have a business you've got a big life balance you mentioned earlier. I don't know. I don't really believe in balance. I believe in the concept and then we're all trying to balance, recalibrate. But when you're got a, when you got a big career and you got a family, there's no such really thing as balance. You just do the best you can and try to keep your, you know, keep yourself from wiping out on the wave and just mm-hmm. keep riding it. So how do you do it? Do you do have a very big life and business and family and 
You know, what right. is there certain parameters you put on your work life or is there time no, constraints? I think, I think I think you said exactly what I would say, which is I don't think that balance exists for for any of us that are are really doing multiple in it and really putting it down it's and, hard and to, as a mother as a woman as I a think mother we, in general like, yeah, how is there any balance for any mom that's right. involved with their children i mean so, that, that alone <laughs> yeah i mean i think that it's different for women and i'm not slighting the father's role because my husband is no, really but, involved but, but i do think is. that the yeah, kids and their schedule and the life falls on the mother so you know, growing up, I come from the generation of you can do everything. Like, we were encouraged by a group of women who had fought for their rights yeah. and wanted us to go out there and have everything. So they said, you can be president, you can be married, you can have, have it, it all. all. And I don't think that's true. And you're the children now, and Jessica and our generation are the children of those mothers. That's of right. The, that's you right. can have it all and do it you all. You can have which, it all. For better or worse, you can. You can I don't think or you, you can. can't. I, I really don't think that you can. So so this is what I think. I think so you can try. Yeah. You can try. But um it fluctuates. It's like a roller coaster. So there are moments I work in a business where it's project by project and sometimes there are more lulls. We never yeah. are not working, but sometimes so there's four projects going into like production and there's this one yeah. and you're all over it. It's code red it's, and it's, you can't yeah, and you have no time for anything. Right. So and those moments you know, you rely on, I rely on my husband, I rely on my family members or my caretakers to kind of pick up the slack. And um, in the other moments when there's two weeks off and all my clients aren't bothering me, I'm present and I'm really yeah, engaged. I, I definitely it. believe in the, the you know, quality versus quantity because I have to and I, otherwise I would just feel too guilty. But I am there in the morning I'm there in the evening. They're in school most of the day. Right. I, I'm there every, you know, four of four or five nights a week, mostly yeah. during the weeknights. I come home and then if I have a dinner, I go back out at 830. But part of my business is being out and going to gallery openings sure, and seeing people. And if you don't show up, everything. you're not on their lists anymore. Yes, yes. So balance for me fluctuates, but I don't know if I really believe that you can have it all. I think... I think something kind of suffers at all points and all moments. I totally agree yeah. with that. That's how I see it. I think it shifts and it moves and it's never a perfect balance. It's always an imperfect balance and you're trying to right the ship. And I can't speak as to a mother and what that is like. And I just know how incredibly challenging it is for, for Jessica and three kids. And she doesn't have a career. And I just can't imagine with the career and juggling it all. But I think that's well said. Do you have any sort of routine in the morning where you're like, hey, I'm up? up early before the kids i'm gonna meditate i'm gonna work out do you have any sort of routine no, that gets like, you going so, and gets yeah. you fired up and ready for your day i sleep very little during the week i <laughs> just mean don't I sleep. sleep that's how i, I do I'm it a, I'm that's a, the key to balance <laughs> don't sleep you want balance stop sleeping that's right a though little, right a little bit uh <laughs> maybe not before having kids but i i'm a night person not a morning You're person a night so, so you like i to stay never up. i never even if i'm home i i very rarely would go to bed before 12 or 12 30. That's and late I'm with up kids. at like 6, 6 30. Yeah. Um, and I accept that that's just the way it is. And then usually one of the weekend mornings, I'll sleep in. Got it. Um, that's catch up I catch time. Up. That's my catch up time. That's the time that I'm like, I really, I like to sleep. Yeah. I won't lie. Well, I so just you miss are a sleeper. So, I'm a sleeper. So, and so I, sleeping six hours kids, a night is not your ideal I'm optimal. I'm highly functioning. Like, I have okay. a lot of energy and I can pretty much, like, <laughs> I, I travel a lot and I travel for work a lot and I will, I'm like, I'll get on the 5 a.m. plane. I'll be there by 8. I work all day. I, at this point, my life is high, high energy. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I just feel like I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm good with that. I accept it. And you'd rather accomplish like, more than a day than get an extra yeah, hour but sleep. morning. I mean, I'm up with my, my two sons. They go to school at different times. So I get them off to get school and then I go to my office or whatever I'm doing. Yeah. And I don't know my, my morning mindset is, I guess like mind leads, body follows. <sighs> like you make your mind, if your mind tells you you're going to do it, your body will most of the time Got follow it. it. And, but you're not doing any sort of, Exercise, meditation. Exercise? I'm no, thinking, med- no, I don't mind. meditate. No. I can't. I can't mean, sit still so too much times. energy. Well, everyone's different. I do you know. Pilates. That's the closest well, that's I come really, to yoga. I was going to say, is there do, is there yeah, exercise or routine? The running is my like release. My well, that's like super meditative. Yeah. I mean, it's endorphins and you're clearing your head and you're outside yes. or wherever you are. And then, so you're you are running in running. Pilates. I, mean, I, li- I'm, I like I like I like non-team sports i'm a skier Got i'm yeah. a runner you are a skier i, like, I know yeah. that i've seen the picture a good skier <laughs> i've been skiing since there's been I was unreal four. powder and <laughs> the i powder's think, really good best season ever yeah and i think in mammoth we're skiing till june they said but i don't know about yeah, that i don't I mean, know if i buy see. it i'll be there in june in a bathing suit <laughs> and uh cut off right, right right i don't know that i want to be there so yeah. that's interesting so you do work out but you don't have a, a mindset like four or five times a week but i'm not yeah. I don't have a job where it's nine to five. My, no, I every get single it. day Neither is different. I. I had a meeting at eight o'clock this morning yeah, because that's the only need time you any time of day twenty four twenty four seven. So there's no real routine, and I, I I hate routine. Yeah, I fight against monotony <laughs> with like a great force. So so this works for you. I the, am the, so happy to have a project end and to start a new one. This totally yeah. works for me. I don't. Yeah. I don't know that I couldn't not work or not have. Yeah. I would always do something. Well, it is stimulating to always have a new client, a new project. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I'm constantly doing new I'm deals, to, new yeah. types of deals, you know, investment deals, family deals. And it is new and interesting. It's not the same thing, Mm-mm. billing, doing whatever no. it is. So that I do get it. So do you have times where you unplug and you say, okay, this is my time, Allison time or family time. It's sure. not working. and. Uh, what does that look like? Is that your Pilates time? Is it, hey, let's go away uh, with the family somewhere? Uh, or is it, Yeah, know? I mean, I think after my, the nights when I don't go out and I put my kids to bed, I'm fortunate enough to have a gym in my basement. So I'll go downstairs and I'll do Pilates or I'll run or and I'll, that's my disconnect in, as far as like exercise routine goes. But um, I would say weekends. I don't really work on the weekends unless I absolutely have to. I don't work on the weekends. So I'm with my time. kids. I'm with my time. family. And yeah, I absolutely love to travel. I want to know what's around every corner. I so bet. I'll chase I it. Bet. And are you finding products or Everything. inspirations in sure. different places? That's so what's, like, I couldn't live without that's that. That's something I always wonder. Like, what is a place recently, or it doesn't have to be recently, a place where you found something that you used in one of your houses or you're mm-hmm. inspired by? I, I'm, or is that constantly happening? I would happening? say I leave LA every three weeks. I'm never yeah, here for longer move. than three weeks. Yeah. Don't like to be here for longer than three weeks. Even if it's two days in Palm Springs, just don't like Break to be here away. for No, like, I get it. Gotta get out of here. So uh, I was in Mexico City last week for the Zona Maco Fair. Incredible! I have a lot of friends that live in Mexico City, um, and so so I get the cool I get the city. roots tour. So to the, the to the local markets tour, yeah, the and good stuff. the good stuff, the art stuff, yeah. Um, and yeah, I found like I found these incredible like hand painted tequila cups and trays, and I bring I, I bring, bring that home. stuff back. I mean, clients and, must love that because it's it's really one of a kind and so unique and interesting and yeah, absolutely. And and you find inspiration like how do they do it? What do yeah. I see here? 
So are I, there cities, or doesn't have to be a city, village, city, any areas that you go to where you feel like, yeah, it's this is my spot for inspiration for finding stuff? Are there Mexico City or other cities? Is it Paris? Is it a small village somewhere? It's all of it. All of it. So you I can think find it anywhere, everywhere if you're looking or nowhere to look. It's not like you're going to go to Paris. I mean, you can go to galleries in Paris and you can go stay in an old hotel or go to somebody's house and find I love true the old architecture, yes. the old European architecture. But I think that, again, like I will, London, Paris, Mexico City, Berlin, like big cities I love. I love yeah. the urban part of it. I go back to them. But the truth is, I will try not to go back to them so often because I like to go to new places. Discovery. Yeah, my husband gets so angry because he's like, <laughs> just because you've been there, we've been there once doesn't mean we can't go back. But I don't love to keep going back. I want to go new, find. New, fresh, something, a some, new experience. I want to go discover something. So it's get all it, over. Totally get it. And that must complement you finding new and interesting things if you're always out there searching and looking. Yeah. I mean, I think we all, that's, that, that's like my serotonin spikes. You know, I get like a great satisfaction and like, well, wow, look, I discovered this restaurant yeah. or look at this. And, and yeah, that's a very I specific type of personality it. where you're chasing, I'm chasing sort of it. the edge. You're chasing the new. You're For chasing. Sure. I mean, that's a, ta I think that's an authentic tastemaker. You're really looking, you know, you're looking I don't for like something. contentment. Yeah. And what's that, that quote? The, <laughs> I don't you show like contentment. Me, show me a You're not thoroughly... happy with being happy. If I'm happy, I need to change it's not something up. being happy. Contentment is different. <laughs> okay. But like, I think it was Edison, right? It's a, show me a thoroughly satisfied man and I'll show you a failure. There I mean, you go. like, I don't. I, I subscribe I to that for sure. I don't love, I think it's stagnation that my problem yeah. is. Like, I don't want to just. Be safe. It's boring to me. You want to grow, anything. evolve, push constantly. Yeah, I want to. Life. I want to know life. what's around the next corner. Yeah. And we all. I mean, we I don't all it. do, but I do. Yeah, you have a real passion for life. That, that's wonderful. I, I do. So, you have a tough business. It's hard to build a business in service business and design. Uh, I always like to ask people, what would you? What advice would you give if there was an up and coming designer uh, trying to do what you're doing? Is there any? words of wisdom or advice of how you, you know, what they should be doing, what they should be focused on or anything of that nature yes. that you would think yeah. about for, for someone that's coming up in the ranks now. I mean, the business has changed since you and I probably began in different the business businesses. The world has changed. It's, it's different. The social media world, the way that, yes, the way has. that you can come onto the scene with social media is really different now because if you post a lot of great pictures, they might not be images of your own work, but you're showing that you have great taste. So that's different. But as far as be, like doing what I do and, and tailoring your services to a higher end clientele, I would say go work for someone you admire and maybe not in the same style that you like Got it. and stay there for a few years. Make your mistakes on their dime because you're going to make them. Yeah. And have somebody Smart. else pay for them because you're going to mess up. You're going to misscale the bed. You're not going to think about if it's going to fit in the door frame. Sure. You're going to, you just, there's things you can't do. So don't know try to do it, it. Like, your own and don't try to be do an it expert on your own when you're immediately, not. Unless you're prepared to, to kind of eat it because you're going to eat it a lot in the first couple of years. And then, you know, get yourself a few clients and don't be afraid to take the risk. Go out there and, and do it on your own. But awesome. Yeah. I, think that in the beginning I would Is school important. Yes. You have to yeah. learn how to draw. Okay. You so you do have some scale. nuts and bolts skill sets and that's yeah. just a given. You can't, I guess you could hire a drafts person, yeah, but, but if you can't you to... draw. I, mean, I don't draw anymore. Yeah. I mean, I might hand it off to someone in my office and say, I want you to do this and sketch it. But 
I don't have time to draw. Somebody else draws for me. Yeah. But you have to learn how to draw or you can't understand like what size sofa or where your feet should go or what yeah. seat height. Like it, we, when it's correct, you don't think about it. When it's wrong, you're like, what happened here? You yeah. know, you feel it immediately. And it's a big mistake. It's and a it's big an mistake. expensive we mistake. All know. And it's, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I would say that that's probably, you know, and then of course the social media aspect, it, but I would say you have to go and do the brunt work for a couple of years. Like anything. Or you can just put Learn photos on Instagram and be an project, influencer yeah, and project the image, but you're not, hope for you're yourself. not necessarily really doing it. Though. Yeah. I don't subscribe to the fake it till you make it. I think yeah. it collapses. And I think the Instagram, social media, Facebook generation, it, it encourages that. And I think so it gets you in the door quicker yep. and you could front like you're like, we were joking. You're a life coach and right. you're 21 or I'm a designer and I'm 21. I haven't done anything, but the reality is it's not authentic. You're not truly an expert. You're not adding value and you're going to be, you're good. It's going to be vetted and you're going to be, you're going to fall on your ass. Eventually. I mean, I think that that's true. I think that comparatively in the, in the like past, it's been shelter magazines, the architectural digest, the El decor. And when you really made it, it was, you were published in one of those. Yeah. And today that's still pretty big deal, but you can do that with social media in a different way. Whereas like the magazine was like your big break Got it. in the yeah that's in a the, huge yeah. push and a huge yes. marketing I mean, and a huge for me, brand. I mean, you've been published. I've seen I stuff of yours. I was published of. in Architectural Digest when I was twenty seven, and it, what it did is it did not. I got no clients from it, but I was on the map, so yeah. I could get myself in the door for a job it's that was really great at the time. Yes, and I guess it's that's, credibility. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Well, parting words, anything else you want to include or say? I mean, we can dive deep into so many other topics. No, no. I love chatting with you and I love being at your home. Thank we you have for so having much, me. So much to say, but is there anything else you feel like uh, we we should cover? Any, yeah. Anything you want to say about the world of design or the real estate world in general? No, I would just say, I think the point that keeps coming back to me through our, our conversation is just this world of blurred lines. So I would say that the real estate blends into the design and that blends into, you know, being able to kind of like reinvent yourself. And I I sure. love what I do. I love my design work. But I'm I think we all at this point will have one or two careers and I may take my design career and reinvent myself sure. into some other Good point. part of it. And um, I think that for the the up and coming generation, like reinvent yourself, not thirty times, but don't be afraid to take the risk and it's okay and, to change and evolve. Or and take Take, when I say reinvent, I, I think take what you love from what you're currently doing and be passionate you, about be it, passionate be authentic about it, start something simultaneously yeah. that you love that's a branching off point or give back in some way to the younger generation or, or change something that you don't like yeah. about what's happening in your industry. But that's about it. Totally agreed. Well, you are an incredibly impressive woman. I Thank love hanging you. out. We could talk for hours. Yes. Hopefully we'll all grab dinner soon. Absolutely. And we'll see each other soon. And I'll be in the Lego room yeah, going you, crazy. I'll building, see you downstairs when I come building home from spaceships. work in a few hours. That'll be me building spaceships. I want to see your creation. The Star Wars spaceship. But thank you so much. It was awesome Thank you for having, having me. You. It's been great. Hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. We appreciate it. I want to really thank Allison Pilevsky for a wonderful interview and letting us hang out at her incredible house. So thank you, Allison. You can always find Allison at, uh, on Instagram at Pilevsky underscore co. 
and at plevsky.co. She's an incredible, incredible designer and tastemaker and can't wait to see what she does next. And guys, please, you can find me at, at Danny Brown LA on Instagram. Uh, please follow, subscribe, and write a review. That would really help us on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, and you can also watch full-length video of the podcast on YouTube, The Deal with Danny Brown. But thanks again. It really, really means a lot to us for you to follow and uh, write a review and look forward to uh, seeing you soon. We have Terry Heller coming up, talking about NWA and Jerry Heller. We have James Ferrier, the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up we have brian burkett the avocado farmer joey miller the man behind the platform and palisades village and others many other cool guests so thanks for tuning in and i'll talk to you guys soon 